the unemployment rate is as low as it's been in 50 years. We've created 11 million jobs, 750,000 manufacturing jobs. Our economic agenda ignited a manufacturing boom, the semiconductor boom, the battery boom, the electric vehicle boom. We're making things in America again in every part of America, cities large and small. That's a lot of boom boom, Mr. President. Too bad about those documents, though, huh? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's what the media tells me. Might as well leave at this point. Just as bad as Trump. In every regard. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis. St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. So the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, and other fine affiliates blanketing planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Once again, news and context over your public airwaves, if you can imagine such a thing. Glad you could join us. Uh, it has been a while, by the way, since we've opened up the phone lines here at the Bradcast. My aim is to do so today. Uh, Desi Doyen, is my aim correct? Are, are the phones working today? Um, we are going to have an adventure in phones today, but I think they are working. They do appear to be working so far. But please, join <laughs> us on this adventure. What could possibly go <laughs> wrong? Uh, given that uh, so much has happened, frankly, since our last program last week, over the weekend and today, and even before our uh, last program last week, particularly when it comes to the ongoing wildly dangerous game of chicken that House Republicans are now playing with the debt ceiling for the federal government. Uh, I, I'd particularly like to hear from you all on this. The, the GOP is holding the nation and the world which could also sink into recession or depression based on whether the U.S. government defaults on its debt payments. The uh, GOP is holding the nation and the world hostage to its demands. The GOP is now risking, frankly, a full default on the good faith and credit of the United States government for the first time in history as they pretend to suddenly be concerned about the national debt. 
And government spending, something Republicans did not seem to worry about in the last, uh, well, the last administration when they cut hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue in order to give huge tax cuts to corporations and their wealthy friends back in 2017 when they had full control of both Congress and the White House. And yet they increased spending and they decreased revenue. And now they want to pretend they're concerned about the national debt. Don't buy it. Now that there's a Democrat back in the White House and GOP control of one of the chambers of Congress, rather than a simple vote to lift the debt ceiling, lift the borrowing limit like the 80 or so times that has has been done since the 1960s. Now they want to force cuts to social spending programs like Social Security and Medicare in some sort of deal for in exchange for doing the absolute minimum that they are required to do by the Constitution and lift the government's current silly statutory borrowing limit. Lifting the limit is needed to issue more U.S. Treasury bonds. That's the way the U.S. government borrows money, and that is needed in order to pay for the stuff that Congress and presidents of both parties have already bought or agreed to pay for with past legislation. Failing to do so, failing to lift the nation's borrowing limit, is the equivalent of eating a huge meal at a restaurant and then, frankly, running out on the bill. That's what the GOP is threatening to do here with the full faith and credit of the U.S. government at stake. And uh, last time, the last time they even threatened to do so, not not when the debt ceiling was raised three times without a problem under Donald Trump, but back in 2011, when the last Democratic president, Barack Obama, was in the White House and Republicans controlled Congress. The last time they uh, Republicans even threatened to potentially send the U.S. government into default, it ended up costing the nation hundreds of billions of dollars when credit rating agencies lowered the nation's AAA credit rating for the first time in history. That, of course, increased the national debt. It did not lower it, as Republicans are pretending to care about now. Uh, They aren't concerned about it in the least. They are lying uh, to the American public for perceived political gain, if you can imagine such a thing. And they are playing with your livelihood and your economy in doing so. Anyway, the White House says they refuse to negotiate on the matter that the debt must be raised, period, end of story, before the extraordinary measures that are currently being employed by the uh, Treasury Department The extraordinary measures to avoid a default right now because they ran out of uh, money and the borrowing authority to uh, uh, to borrow more late last week. The Biden administration insists that the borrowing limit be raised before those extraordinary measures run out, likely sometime before June this summer, according to Treasury. Well, the White House has said repeatedly They need Congress to raise that limit, and they will not negotiate on the matter. It is not negotiable. In fact, as we noted last week, the broadcast obtained some exclusive audio from the White House negotiator revealing the administration's position on this matter in response to Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans hoping to hold the economy hostage to social program spending cuts. Here was the White House negotiator's position on that. You get Nothing 
You lose. Good day, sir. I said good day. So, okay. Uh, pretty hard uh, pretty hard line there from the White House, it seems to me. Yeah, but when you think about it, the fact that, you know, the Constitution itself, mm-hmm. what is it, Amendment 4 of the 14th Amendment? 14, uh, section 4 section of four. the 14th Amendment. Yes, that yes. says that the credit of the United States shall not be questioned. So it seems like this is a pretty cut and dried situation to me. But, of course, that has never applied, I guess, to Republicans who want to make some uh, political gain out of causing economic distress, I guess. Well, I will ask this. Uh, if the uh, if the White House has that hardline position that you just heard, and they say that it is not negotiable, you must raise the debt limit, and Republicans are basically putting a gun to the head of the U.S. economy, um, and you know threatening to default for the first time in history. Yeah, the Biden and the White House can say it's not negotiable, but is it? Should it be? Should the Biden administration give in to at least certain demands by the House GOP in order to avoid this uh, potentially cataclysmic turn of events? Millions of job layoffs, stock market crashes, recessions, depressions in the U.S. and around the globe by somehow negotiating with the Republicans? Or should they stand their ground and let Republicans crash the U.S. and world economy and be held accountable for it in two years if they do? Or, given the corporate media that we have, will they blame everything on the White House? On the Biden White House, of course. Anyway, that's just one of the points that I'm open to hearing your thoughts about today at 818-985-5735. If you are in our live listening area in Southern California or listening via the Internet, 818-985-KPFK. Also, it's been two years as of last Friday since Joe Biden was sworn in as the nation's 46th president. And for my money, it's been a pretty extraordinary two years with more accomplished in those two years by any sitting president in their first two years since at least Lyndon B. Johnson, in my opinion. Your mileage, however, may vary, and I would love to hear from you either way at 818-985-5735 at the two-year mark in the president's first term. And, of course, there is the ongoing drip, drip, drip of news about documents, some of them classified from Joe Biden's two terms as vice president that are being found now at his various residences, among his other papers, from his time in office. On Saturday... As we have since learned, the Department of Justice searched Biden's Wilmington, Delaware residence from top to bottom for nearly 13 hours. They found another half dozen or so documents said to have been marked as classified, though we do not know yet at what level they were classified. The search was said to have been consensual between the Bidens and the DOJ. In other words, uh, the Bidens said, have at it, search everywhere, let us know what you find and take anything that should not be in our possession. That, of course, to me, is just one of the reasons that the matter of Donald Trump's thousands of pages of stolen documents seized from his home by force by the FBI in Florida is nothing like the Biden case. That, after uh, months of the National Archives essentially begging Donald Trump to return documents that they knew he had taken, 
after a legal subpoena was then issued by the Department of Justice to force Trump to turn over all of the documents, which Trump refused to do and then lied about. And finally, the seizure of those documents from Mar-a-Lago by the FBI under the authority of a federal court-approved search warrant showing probable cause that several crimes were actively underway that the FBI needed to stop by seizing those documents at Mar-a-Lago. Again, as I see it, absolutely nothing like what we have seen uh, since Biden's attorneys discovered some misfiled classified documents among Biden's vice presidential papers, notified the National Archives and the DOJ to find out what to do, how to return them, did so the very next day after they were discovered, reportedly, and have continued to double-check Biden's various offices and residences ever since to turn over anything else that got uh, filed almost certainly by one of his aides when he left the vice presidency, which Biden appears to have known nothing about at the time, or so they claim. Now, despite the wild, not even comparable differences in those two cases, opportunistic Republicans and ridiculous Democrats from Dick Durbin to Joe Manchin, to name just two examples, have been racing to TV cameras to explain how these cases are somehow identical, how Biden's case is just like Trump's case. There's no difference at all. And that it could mean that Donald Trump can now not be charged for his clear, obvious obstruction of justice in refusing to return the documents that he knew he stole upon leaving the White House. And that he knew he was obstructing to prevent the proper authorities from getting them back. I find this argument absurd on its face. And frankly, while uh, perhaps I'm an outlier here, you can call in at 818-985-5735 to let me know. I would argue that Biden's behavior makes an indictment of Trump more obviously necessary. Or at least it should. It reveals a perfect illustration of how one is supposed to handle such a matter versus how one is absolutely not supposed to handle such a matter. Remember the old Highlights magazine that you might have read in the dentist's office? Remember their Goofus and Gallant feature, which was one of my favorites? Remember that? Oh, my gosh, yes. That was my favorite going to the dentist. It made it worthwhile. (laughs) There you go. That is kind of what we're looking at here. Goofus... Took, the white, uh, took documents from the White House that do not belong to him, and when he got caught, he refuses to return them. Gallant, on the other hand, found that he accidentally took documents that did not belong to him, and he immediately contacted the authorities to inform them and return the documents. It's, you know, the perfect uh, highlights goofus and gallant story, and yet, for some reason... Democrats, well, they're always cowardly. They'll freak out about anything. But the media, who should know better and probably does know better, but needs to prove how how fair they are to all, how tough they are on all sides, is pretending that this is a, a crisis on par with Donald Trump. Who knows? Maybe even worse. Anyway. Please ring in on any of these topics, if you like, uh, or any others uh, that I I do hope to hit today or anything else you'd like to discuss or ask me about over your public airwaves at 818-985-5735. 
KPFK. I would just say that what I have seen in the corporate media coverage on the Biden's Biden documents case is that at the beginning they'll make it sound like, hey, are these things alike? Looks like there's all kinds of, comp- of, of aspects of it that are similar between the two. And then it's not until you get down to the 13th, 14th paragraph or later that it will show you something along the lines of, well, they're not really at all mm. alike, but you know they've spent most of their time talking about them as Correct. if they are. So that, I think that leaves a false impression with the public especially people that only get to see the headlines in passing. How unlike the corporate media to leave a false impression with the uh, with the public. <laughs> of course, there was also uh, the horrific shooting over the weekend at a dance hall not far from where we are here in Los Angeles, just a few miles east of L.A. in Monterey Park. At a celebration of the Lunar New Year when an Asian man who was uh, sin- who has since taken his own life, according to law enforcement officials, on Sunday when he killed 10, injured another 10 with a semi-automatic pistol with an extended magazine during a New Year, a Chinese New Year celebration over the weekend. And sadly, we have just received word in the past couple of hours that an 11th victim has now died in this horrific shooting. The uh, gunman's motives, motive for the killings and uh, another attempted massacre, allegedly by the same man, which was stopped, by the way, at a different dance hall by good guys without a gun. His motive uh, remains unknown at this hour. The weekend massacre was the nation's fifth mass killing this month alone, according to AP's and USA Today's database on mass killings in the U.S., which finds that 2022 was one of the nation's worst years with 42 such attacks, 42 mass killings, the second highest number Since the creation of the tracker in 2006, the database defines a mass killing as four people killed, not including the perpetrator. The Monterey Park shooting was also uh, the deadliest attack since May 24 of last year when 21 people were killed in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. My phone number is 818-985-5735. You may wish to ring in on some of my interviews last week with Chris Melody Fields Figueredo from the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center on Friday, explaining how Republicans have lost a whole bunch of popular ballot initiatives uh, during the 2022 election cycle on everything from abortion rights to gun safety laws to legalization of marijuana and more. And so now... Uh, what are Republicans in states around the country trying to do? Well, they are making it much harder to get statewide citizen ballot measures on the ballot at all, making it more difficult to get them on the ballot in the first place and making it harder to adopt those measures into law or constitutions by raising the threshold for uh, adopting them, for example, from 50 percent plus one to 60 percent. Ohio's gerrymandered GOP super uh, supermajority in the state legislature there is trying to do exactly that, for example, in advance of new ballot initi- initiatives on abortion rights and, yes, redistricting and gerrymandering over the next year or two. Then there's the $1 million in legal sanctions slapped on Donald Trump and his new attorney, Alina Haba, late last week by a federal judge in South Florida 
where Trump had filed a ridiculous lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, James Comey, and more than two dozen other defendants, including many of his perceived enemies at the FBI and in Congress, for what his suit described as, quote, an orchestrated malicious conspiracy to disseminate patently false and injurious information about Donald J. Trump and his campaign, all in the hope of destroying his life, his political career, and rigging the 2016 presidential election in favor of Hillary Clinton. Yes, that's right. The one, you know, the election that he actually won against Hillary Clinton. The uh, judge down in South Florida found the case was so absurd that he not only dismissed it with prejudice, but he spent 46 pages explaining how ridiculous it was last week, including the fact that there was no actual evidence to support any of Donald Trump's charges. And for that matter, Trump didn't even include any actual allegations of violations of law in the complaint. Anyway, we discussed the suit in detail last week, and Bradblog.com's legal uh, analyst Ernie Canning wrote about it as well today. I recommend checking out his uh, article on this, his take on all of this, and on Trump's years-long record of litigational grifting. But one of the most wildly amusing points from Judge Middlebrook's order last week, uh, ordering nearly one million dollars in sanctions against the uh, in favor of the defendant defendants, I should say, is that the single largest fee that Trump must pay as part of the sanctions is nearly one hundred and seventy two thousand dollars to his apparent greatest nemesis of all times, Hillary Clinton. Got questions, comments, thoughts on any or all of the above or anything else? I got more. 818-985-5735. Let me get to a quick call here or two, and I'll get to more of this news, unless you want to derail the entire show by giving me a call. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to... Jill in Long Beach. Hey, Jill, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm okay. questioning myself something I don't understand about the Republicans not wanting to raise the debt limit. Yeah. Don't most people who live off Social Security and Medicare live in the red states? I, I remember reading that once. See, this is well, the thing that I don't yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. Their constituents are not going to be happy with them, right? I mean, if this really went mm-hmm. through. Right. Well, uh, two uh, two answers there. One, uh, I'm not sure if, if, if more people live in red states. What I do know is that red states, so-called red states, and I hate calling them red states, but I know what you're saying. So so-called red states take in more money from the federal government than they give out. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the states that Republicans hate, you know, like California, New York, et cetera, we all pay more money to the federal government than we actually receive back. So, yes, the spending uh, goes more to those red states than it does to those so-called blue states. Uh, that was one thing. And the other thing is, yeah, sure, their constituents in theory would be ticked off if they actually do these things. But that presumes their constituents are actually going to hear about it. That presumes their constituents are actually going to hear real facts about it as opposed to the BS they are most likely going to hear on uh, on Fox News and, and in the right-wing uh, media chum uh, circle. They don't hear about this stuff. They don't hear the stuff you're hearing today, Jill. Oh, I didn't. I, I yeah, I didn't realize that. I, I um, no, it's just you know, it's just I know my mother lived off Social Security, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people 
elderly live off Social Security and get Medicare and I'm sure the majority of the country doesn't want it cut. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> you know? Of course, no, they don't. Uh, Social Security is very obviously, and, and Medicare and so forth are wildly popular. But the problem is, if a check stops arriving because the government defaults, who is it do you think is going to get the blame for it? The people who actually stopped it, uh, Congress, by not raising the debt limit? Or are uh, you know the right-wing media and the not-right-wing media going to you know blame? Well, why didn't uh, Joe Biden? And do more to stop this from happening. So, oh, yeah, I see where it's going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even yeah, now, Jill, yeah. a majority of Republicans believe that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election and that Joe Biden stole it somehow from him. A majority, a huge majority of Republicans, two years after the election, and zero evidence to suggest that that is possibly true. But they believe it because they listen to their own media sources who are happy to lie to them. Yeah, that's what it is, because I've, I've never understood it. Trump didn't do anything really for anybody, mostly just the rich. So yep. that was the thing that I, I never got. But um yeah, thanks for answering my sure. question. Appreciate it. Happy to help. Thanks for the call, Jill. Greatly appreciated. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Hey, there was some – Desi, there was somebody uh, on there that said I was a big stooge for uh, – Yes, there was a caller who person? had called on who had said that you were a uh, corporatist for uh, the Biden administration and the Democrats. And, uh, and she they felt that you were – Yeah, and then she hung up right before oh. you started taking calls. So oh. I don't know what happened. But um, – I'm sad. And, you know, I gave her, told her to call back. Please do. Okay. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, just, and I'll get to more of your calls in a moment. Uh, just breaking a few hours before airtime this afternoon. Speaking of 2020, four more Oath Keeper members were found guilty by a jury of seditious conspiracy on Monday afternoon for their part in attacking the U.S. Capitol during the Trump-incited insurrection on January 6, 2021. Even in the uh, uh, even if the head of that conspiracy, I should say, Donald Trump, has yet to face any accountability for it. Now, I suspect he will. Special counsel Jack Smith continues probing that case and Trump's stolen documents at Mar-a-Lago. But we will see that verdict came in on Monday, just an hour or two after this one. The Arkansas man who propped his feet up on a desk in then House Speaker, excuse me, Nancy Pelosi's office during the U.S. Capitol riot was convicted on Monday. Remember that guy? Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, That guy who uh, put his feet up uh, in Nancy Pelosi's office uh, and he stole an envelope. Well, that guy's name was Richard Bigo Barnett. And a jury deliberated for just two hours on Monday before unanimously convicting him on all eight counts in his indictment, including felony charges of civil disorder and obstruction of an official proceeding. Barnett lounging at a desk in Pelosi's office made him one of the most memorable figures of the riot from January 6th. U.S. District Judge Christopher Cooper is scheduled to sentence Barnett on May 3. Barnett vowed to appeal his conviction, calling it an injustice. The uh, DOJ prosecutor said the jury concluded that Barnett took a weapon into Pelosi's office, actually a tasing stick. And that quote, we can only imagine what would have happened if Pelosi had been there at the time. Barnett, who is 62 years old, testified last Thursday that he was just looking for a bathroom. 
inside the Capitol when he unwittingly entered Nancy Pelosi's office. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Adam in San Diego. Hey, Adam, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's up? Um, my first time hearing your program, and when I first heard it, uh, most of, many of these programs I lose respect for quickly, but you actually kept me uh, listening. And so then you invited us to call, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I like how you seem to be like your own person and not left or right, which is refreshing uh, for the radio. Thank you. Um, but? Yes, no, thank you, actually. Okay. Uh, it's refreshing. Okay. Um, but I'm waiting for a but. I feel like there's a but coming, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. There's a but coming. Yeah, yeah, there's a but coming. Okay. Um, I'm from San Diego. Did yeah. you just ask me that? Everyone in okay. San Diego has a big but. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so um, here, I'll just make it quick. So <laughs> yes. you said that Democrats are cowards. So I just wanted you to like elaborate on that or define cowards. Well, uh, which uh, w- on which point were we talking? At that point, I think we were talking about the uh, the documents uh, issue. Uh, they're just they're just cowardly. They they don't have they go along to get along. The media, the the corporate, they go in and they go on the Sunday shows. The corporate media asks them something, you know, along the lines of, "Excuse me, Dick Durbin, uh, doesn't this uh, discovery of documents in Joe Biden's?" Uh, garage mean that uh, we can no longer charge Donald Trump for doing the exact same thing. And instead of Donald, uh, it wasn't it wasn't exactly the same. It was not at all. Right. That's my point. And instead of Dick Durbin saying, well, they uh, excuse me, but these cases weren't even close. They're not even the same thing. They're nowhere near the same thing. Why would you even ask such a stupid question? They just don't seem to have the uh, the, the courage to do that and to, uh, you know, speak back to uh, the media. And that's just so one be, example. So to be clear, when yeah. you said Democrats, you're referring to elected officials and not not the entire Democratic like correct. constituents and part. Correct. Yes, you are correct. Thank you. I just wanted to confirm that because as someone who has gone out of my way yeah. as, a, as a young American to participate in the Democratic process mm-hmm. as a proud Democrat, mm-hmm. I have taken risks that most people would not even dare to take risks. I've yep. been arrested for, for doing my part many times. And I was like, is he calling me a coward? No. I know I'm not. And I appreciate you calling in to uh, clarify that point. No, I was I was talking about Democrats in office, Democrats in the media uh, who just cannot seem to, uh, you know, show, uh, you know, the Republicans, at least they have courage. And again, Republican elected officials, they have the courage. They have the courage to go out there and absolutely lie about anything. And yet Democrats, elected Democrats are too scared to go out and tell the truth about anything. So as, it's maddening. As a, as a as a voting Democrat, I will have to agree with you. The 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 uh, the brave the, the braveness the, the 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 Democrats tend to be more uh, passive and mm-hmm. more uh, not not as confrontational mm-hmm. as. As their counterparts. Yeah. Well, they need to wake up because we are living in a confrontational world right now. And if they don't push back, they will get run over, it seems to me, in any event. And and I kind of look at it more as like socialism or fascism. Like the Republican Party is very fascist leaning. And as a Democrat, I guess, since I do enjoy Bernie Sanders and his Democrat socialism, Mm -hmm. sure, they want to say I'm a socialist, but they're a fascist. 
And if I had to choose a direction for my country, I would choose socialism or fascism in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. And I would add they are not uh, fascist leaning. They are already there. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, Thank I, you for your time, sir. I appreciate the call, brother. Uh, stay in touch. Thank you, sir. 818-985-KPFK. A lot of folks want to get in here, and that is a good thing. Uh, why don't we take a quick break, and we will come back with more of your calls. I've got some more news items. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We are taking your calls on anything and everything today. 818-985-KPFK. I'm happy to say that the phones seem to be working for now, holding out. Uh, I'm so far, my so fingers. good. Crossing my fingers, too. But yes, if you pl- if you get disconnected, please do call me back. Desi I'd going to it. that person who said they hate me and then I'm a Biden student. That person back? has not called back. Damn it. Call back. Uh, One of the uh, points before I get to your uh, calls here, um, this is uh, one of the reasons why Democrats, not Democrats, democracy, democracy and elections are so important and why we fight for democracy constantly on this program. Uh, Arizona's new Democratic attorney general has put a hold on all executions. In the state, until the completion of a review of death penalty protocols ordered by the new Democratic governor to the uh, due to the state's history of horrifically mismanaging executions. The review ordered Friday by Governor Katie Hobbs, Arizona's first Democratic governor since 2009, came as the state's new Democratic attorney general, Chris Mays, withdrew her Republican predecessor's request for a warrant to execute a convicted killer who initially asked to be executed but later backed out of that request. While Hobbs order, uh, did not declare a moratorium on the death penalty, yet, keep pushing her, please, Arizonans, Mays uh, will not seek court orders to execute prisoners while this review is underway, according to a spokesperson for the, a- for the new AG. Uh, there has been, uh, there are currently 110 prisoners on death row. Uh, Arizona has carried out just three executions over the past year after a nearly eight-year hiatus that was brought on by criticism of a 2014 execution that was botched and because of difficulties obtaining execution drugs. And botched, I think, is a very nice way to put it. The state's nearly eight-year hiatus on killing people on the government killing people, came after a 2014 execution in which Joseph Wood was injected with 15 doses of a two-drug combination over two hours, leading the death row prisoner to snort repeatedly and gasp more than 600 times. 
before he finally died. His uh, his lawyers said the execution was botched. And uh, more, more recently, this uh, person that was about to be killed by the state of Arizona, uh, who recently withdrew his uh, his request to be killed because he saw what happened previously, described it as torture. Well, what happened in uh, 2014 certainly sounds like torture. Absolutely, it was botched, but it would have been no less horrible, frankly, or morally or ethically justifiable for the government to murder its own prisoners, even if things had gone smoothly, in my opinion. So uh, at least something is going to change for a time right now in Arizona, thanks to the good voters of Arizona who uh, last November elected a Democrat as governor and a Democrat as the attorney general. Let me go to some more of your calls. Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh. Uh, let me caution you. Yes. If, uh, you're not a great deal more clairvoyant than I suspect to not say what a majority of Republicans believe. I think you should say instead, say they believe. Uh -huh. um, my experience includes uh, the regular demonstrations we used to have against the Trump administration out there in the same place that uh -huh. uh, Mass Shooter killed himself uh, yesterday. Yeah, And uh, one of these uh, things, I was out there with my Trump mask and a an appropriate placard, and this old white woman who was coming out of the bank told me I was disgusting and I should be ashamed of myself, and uh, she seemed to think that uh, Trump had been cleared oh, of the uh, allegations of, uh, you know, connection with uh, Putin and the UFSB. And uh, I said, did you know the, the Mueller report? Mm -hmm. Have you read it? And she said, of course. Yeah, said, sure. Well, what section one? <laughs> yeah, nothing. nothing. So when they say they believe that they mean their team should win. Uh, yeah, they believe. They believe that they're they're told to believe things. They're you know the Republican officials pretend to believe things, and then the Republican supporters uh, are told to believe things, and so they think they believe things, and in fact they don't even know what it is they believe or don't. That's true. Uh, Trump is a patron saint of phonies and liars. Yep. And that applies to a great portion of his followers, just as it did with Richard Nixon. Thank you for the call, Mike. Good to hear from you, my friend. Happy New Year. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Let me go to, uh, speaking of the uh, shooting in Monterey Park, let me go to Ricky in L.A. Hey, Ricky, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm okay. Hey, uh, on, on the shooting uh, aspect, I think uh, one thing we got to look at um, versus whether a good guy has a gun or doesn't have a gun. Can you turn down your radio, uh, Ricky? One. Ricky, can you turn down your radio? We're having trouble hearing you. How about right now? Oh, okay, go ahead. I can't hear you at all. You can't hear me? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, Ricky. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, in, in regards to whether, you know, the good guy or the bad guy, good guy with a gun, uh, even though a lot of good guys are qualified to carry guns, uh, they shouldn't be carrying guns. And, and that's one question that we, we haven't addressed yet in, this, in, in the state of mind of this shooter is whether or not he legally owned a gun. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's always something that needs to be addressed is, is the mental state of individuals, whether it's that young kid in Uvalde mm -hmm. or this gentleman in Monterey Park, because obviously he was disturbed enough to kill himself mm -hmm. as uh, LASO's uh, SWAT team was, was closing in on him. 
much as it is the individual, but also there's also a whole bunch of other dynamics involved. So if you could speak on 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 what can honestly be done to uh, to change people's behavior in wanting to murder, and that's it's not you know you can call it a mass shooting, but it's basically a murder of of a huge amount of people. Ricky. Uh, let, yeah, let me ask you a question, Ricky. Um, why does anyone need to have a semi-automatic uh, rifle, assault weapon, as they call them, or a pistol with a magazine that's got 30 shots? Um, why Why do we need to make those available to anyone, these weapons of war? Well, quite honestly, I don't, I, I don't see it as a weapon of war. As long as you have any kind of mechanical uh, a mechanical tool for for lack of a better word like a like a gun mm-hmm. you can have individuals who can actually alter them uh, a good majority of the guns that are recovered out there on the street that are used for violent crimes are are, are guns that are manufactured um they're 3d manufactured um uh, ghost guns. Yeah, you know what, Ricky? Yeah. Let me respond. Let me just respond to that point. I, I don't want to cut you off. I'll let you come back. But um, you say a lot of guns. Some of the guns. Many, many millions and millions more are not 3D printed guns. They're not ghost guns. They're actually uh, bought and sold, uh, you know, perfectly lawfully, legally from a gun shop, from Walmart, anywhere else that would allow this guy in Monterey Park to walk in and in a matter of minutes. Uh, kill or injure 20 people in just seconds. Why is that sort of, and I, so I believe that's a weapon of war. A lot of the uh, military folks I've, I've spoken to also see those weapons as weapons of war, completely unnecessary in civilian society. I'm asking why are they necessary? Why aren't they just banned okay. like they used to be? If, in this particular case in, in Monterey Park, if I didn't understand, if I didn't understand if I understand correctly, you stated that it was a small, it was a pistol caliber handgun with an ex, with an extended magazine. Right. Now that would be a regular handgun, okay, that can be purchased by anybody legally, but then could be utilized. A, a, a large capacity magazine is utilized in that gun. Well, it was a semi-automatic. It was a semi. It was a semi. Was a se- aside, Brad, yeah. Brad, yeah. All that aside, what's most important is to think about the mental state of individuals who have access to any type of firearm, whether it be a shotgun, a, 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 a single shot. Yeah. Shotgun, how, how do I do that, Ricky? That how do I, how do we, how do we give a mental exam to everyone who wants to buy a gun? And by the way, that was a semi-automatic pistol. It was not a revolver. So it's, you know, boom, 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 boom. You can uh, fire off 20 shots within a matter of seconds. How do I evaluate the mental health and why should the government be in the business of evaluating the mental health before they sell, uh, before product is allowed to be sold uh, to someone, Ricky? Well, it's quite easy. It's not, it, it's not the government. Okay. It's, if we can, if we can sit here as as a med, and, and utilize the medical system from a young child all the way up to adulthood, uh-huh. okay, and use certain certain um, certain capacities of the medical system yeah. to determine, you know, what what a and I'm not going to go off on on the tangent of of, uh, of sexuality or, or abortion or anything like that, but enough can be asked of young kids. As they're developing, what's your propensity to lash out? And this guy was 72 years old, so we don't know 
we don't know what happened. Yeah, but but you but know. you're suggesting, Ricky, you're suggesting that we check someone's medical records, that those be turned over uh, before they purchase something at Walmart. When I'm asking you, my initial question is, why does anyone need that kind of a weapon? Period. You know, when there was a, a one of these mass killings, I, God, God only knows which one it was. It was maybe a decade or so ago now, and I and I asked on on Twitter and everywhere I could on the air for an example of any time. You know, they used to say, "Well, because the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun." And I asked to give me one example of where a so-called good guy with a gun needed to have a semi-automatic assault-style weapon on them in order to stop a crime. So why are these guns needed at all other than uh, on the field of, of, of battle? Well, they're needed. Well, you can use them for sporting purposes, but that's a whole other issue. What, I, what I'm doesn't sound at, doesn't sound very sporting to me, Ricky, to, to go hunting with a, a, a pistol with with uh, 30 uh, bullets in the magazine. Go ahead. I tell you what, there's parts of Texas where they go hunt feral hogs that are taking people's livelihoods. And they go through 30-round magazines of 5.56 on a regular basis. Because they're idiots. They could use a regular gun, a regular shotgun, for Christ's sake, Ricky. Come on, man. You know we don't need to use a semi-automatic weapon to go hunting for feral hogs. Yeah. I'm not not for uh, all kinds of guns for all people, believe me. I I know personally of individuals who have weapons permits that have absolutely no business having weapons permits. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I, I'm just now, asking why, why we need the guns in the first place. Why don't we ban them? They were banned for ten years. Why do we even need them, Ricky? But he in this in this case in Monterey Park, uh, apparently he wasn't. He didn't use a uh, he didn't use a semi-automatic rifle. He didn't use a sporting rifle. He used the semi-automatic right. uh, pistol. Why do we need semi-automatic pistol. pistols? Yes. Why? I I can't answer that. I told him, I, I told him to gun as law enforcement officer for twenty years. And believe me, not everybody needs to have guns, but I agree with you on that. Yeah. Not everybody needs to have guns, and nobody, nobody needs to have semi-automatic weapons with extended magazines. If you want to get a a shotgun or a a revolver to uh, protect yourself, okay, not a problem. But these weapons of war are just not needed. Ricky, that said... Uh, well, let me give you the closing word because I, I enjoy talking to you. I hope you'll call us back. I don't mean to cut you off, but there's a, a bunch of other folks who want to get in. Ricky? Not a problem. Thanks, Fred. Okay. Thank you, Ricky. I do appreciate your uh, your call and your thoughts. I really do. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Jim in uh, – where where where's all the ladies, by the way? We need some more ladies to call in at 818-985-5735. Maybe if I speak like that, they'll call. Des, is that? Is yeah, that the, I don't think so. No? What? <laughs> we had some, but they had to hang up or they got hung up oh, on because of our fun phone system what, today. Was it a woman who said I was a big Biden stooge? Corporatist? Yes, whatever? she was one of the people oh. who got disconnected but or she, hung up. She still hasn't called back. No. I'm waiting. Sorry. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, uh, did I go to Jim? Jim in, uh, in L.A. Hey, Jim, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay too. Good, good. Um, I want. I hate to go back to the Mar-a-Lago stuff, but um, I was wondering why it's why we care about it. I mean, me as a liberal, I don't care about classified documents. Mm-hmm. It seems like something that we shouldn't be being bogged down on. And you know, like FBI documents have never done anything but hurt the average American. 
and do nothing for them. Well, that is that is uh, actually ridiculous and silly. Of course, uh, law enforcement has done things for Americans. Whether you like everything that law enforcement has done is a separate matter. But never mind the classified documents. Never mind the FBI documents. These are regular old presidential documents that uh, fall under the Presidential Records Act, are the uh, property of the American people, not of the man or woman who holds the office of president. Uh, The case against Donald Trump in truth really has nothing to do with classified documents. It has to do with uh, documents that were stolen, that were not returned, obstruction of justice, the rule of law, the Espionage Act, the Presidential Records Act. All of that uh, is important. I believe the rule of law is important, and I believe that people ought to be held accountable when they break the law. And by the way, that includes Joe Biden. And if anyone thinks uh, that the cases are the same, my answer is uh, not to let both Trump and Biden off the hook, it's to charge both of them. If they actually broke the law, charge them. But anyway, that's why I think, Jim, uh, what do you think? What's that? They're completely different cases, yeah. But I agree with you. My problem is it takes so much of the media's time, and it takes so much of everybody's time talking about legislation um, when we should be talking about how to feed people, how to take care of people. Yeah. And we're talking about these classified documents that have been stolen by someone Okay. Well, no, I I hear you. And the media covers it way too much. We try to not cover it that much. We only cover it when there's something noteworthy uh, uh, to report. Yeah, I wish the corporate media were reporting on things that mattered a lot more. But a president of the United States breaking the law and thumbing his nose at the uh, at law and order, the federal government, the U.S. Constitution, I believe, needs to be held accountable or things will get worse. And if you don't believe me, go look at how George W. Bush was let off the hook for his war crimes and how much worse things have gotten since then because nobody held him or Dick Cheney, et cetera, accountable. You've certainly got a point there. Yeah. Thanks for your call, Jim. I do appreciate it. 818-985-KPFK. Do we have time to take a quick break here? We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, more of your calls as time allows. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at Brad bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, taking your calls in our final few minutes today. Hope you will be with us again tomorrow. Uh, big doings going on in Georgia, by the way, at the uh, Fulton County District Attorney's Office and at the Fulton County Court on Tuesday, a hearing on whether the uh, special grand jury report on the apparently massive uh, uh, conspiracy led up by Donald Trump to try to steal the election in 2020 in Georgia. Uh, 
that report has been turned into the court. The special grand jury has asked that it be released to the public. There will be a hearing on Tuesday to decide if it will, in fact, be released. Meanwhile, we wait for D.A. Fonnie Willis to file uh, indictments or at least go to a regular grand jury to bring indictments against Donald Trump and friends. Jonathan in Santa Monica, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi. Um, Before I go on, I want to just say that everybody listening, please contribute to KPFK. Thank you. I'm calling about Ukraine. You might want to. I hope you don't cut me off. If I cut you off, uh, it is only because I'm getting near the top of the hour, Jonathan. So I'm going to be brief. Thank you, sir. This war in Ukraine is totally unnecessary. I won't go into all the things that led up to it, but in 2014, there was an illegal, unconstitutional coup d'etat of President Yanukovych, who was democratically elected twice. Yep. The second time, there were international observers, so yep. they couldn't do anything. They had to wait mm-hmm. until there was a crisis that was created, I believe, by the State Department and possibly the CIA, because they do this sort of thing. If that had not happened, but even though... It happened. There was a Euro made in protest. There was an opportunity when the president agreed to another election immediately, even though he had two years left in his term. But these ultra-nationalist insurrectionists, yeah. just like we had in, in on January 6th, they went into the parliament, they purged anybody who supported autonomy for uh, the Donbass Oblast yeah. in eastern Ukraine. All right. Let me uh, – and, and uh, Jonathan, your, your, your uh, history is not inaccurate. Uh, it is certainly spinning towards one side than the other. That's okay. My point is, let's presume everything, absolutely everything you said uh, is accurate as you said it. You're saying, therefore, Russia had every right to invade a sovereign neighbor and kill thousands of people. Is that what you're saying, Jonathan? I'm not saying that. Okay. I am absolutely not saying that. Because saying I would have been true. with you on the concern, and in fact, I have been with you on uh, some of the concerns you talked about uh, in the lead up to the war. And until February 24 of last year, 2022, uh, I would have entertained those concerned concerns. But once this uh, empirical nation of Russia invaded a sovereign, peaceful, sovereign neighbor and started committing war crimes, just as the U.S. invaded uh, the sovereign nation of Iraq, I was against the U.S. when I was against uh, the the the, the oh, attack when it was the U.S. who did, that did it. I was against the empirical nation when Russia did it, oh, and I think we God. both need. To, well, then that's the end of the story. They can pull out of Ukraine, and then we can have the discussion about uh, their complaints concerning what happened in 2014. Yeah, but you're you're not even recognizing that this war could have been avoided. I am. I, I just said. I, I, it's not a matter of whether it could have been avoided. Yeah, it could have been avoided. Russia could have avoided it by not invading a sovereign neighbor. Once they did that, they lost all benefit of the doubt. They lost all moral authority, and they should be held accountable. They should get out. They can bring their complaints to the U.S., and that's that, it. Dad. Okay. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. All right. Okay? Yep. This happened eight years after the coup d'etat. Okay, this coup d'etat was also an illegal invasion. I mean, the United States was, it was not an illegal invasion. Okay, just like Russia was All supporting right. the separatists. Okay, okay. both 
countries were interfering in the domestic affairs of a sovereign nation. But you're only recognizing that Russia was doing no, it. No, 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 Tim, and I got, I'm sorry, not Tim, Jonathan, I got to go, and we can pick this up uh, next week or in any other show. Um, it's a different deal invading a nation. The United States did not invade Ukraine. That's all. Are being killed. Okay. Let's talk about it next week. Thank you, Jonathan. I hear you. We'll talk about it next week. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Let me go to Tim because he's been calling back and calling back and calling back. Hey, Tim, welcome to the broadcast. Sorry, I've got like no time to talk to you, but thank you for – we lost him again, didn't we? It's that line number one. I don't know what's wrong with it. Let's go to Caroline uh, Caroline or something in L.A. Caroline, real quick. We got you. Hi. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to talk about documents, but now I have to say just one thing about Ukraine it, is that, you know, that, that that president was not elected dem- um, democratically. Those were those were corrupt elections. They were, you know, he was put in there by Putin. And de- democratically elected was Zelensky. I just wanted to make that point. Okay. Anyway, um, I was going to talk about the documents. A similar thing happened to me that happened to Biden. Someone moved my documents into an area where they weren't supposed to be. Now, I got a violation, and I thought that was pretty unfair because I wasn't the one who moved them, you yeah. know. But I, I still got a violation. But, and so I can see where they might want to give him a violation. But it's kind of it's a hand slap. It, you know, it's not really – it's not a big deal. Like, what I think we need to keep getting out there is the message that Trump took those documents. And we can't prove it, so there's – you know, I know we can't prove it, but – I hope someday we can. I think we can prove it, Caroline, and i got to get out, and I am sorry because I'd love to hear more about your documents and the ones you stole, you thief. Thank you for uh, calling in, Caroline. I appreciate it. Actually, stick around on the line, and I'll get more information from you on that. i got to get out, though. Uh, My thanks to all of our callers, ones I couldn't get to, ones that dropped, etc. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Gary Baca. It wasn't his fault for a change, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, the Twitters, and the Mastodons, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Till we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com/donate. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1933. That was the day 6,000 workers at Briggs Manufacturing in Detroit walked off the job and sparked a strike wave of 15,000 auto body workers. Briggs made auto bodies for Ford, Chrysler, and Hudson in Ford Detroit area plants. Their pay and working conditions were considered among the worst in the nation, inspiring the adage, if poison doesn't work, try Briggs. Earlier in the month, workers at the Waterloo plant, under the leadership of the short-lived Automobile Workers Union struck against company-wide wage cuts and won. 
Their victory encouraged workers at the Highland Park and Mack Avenue Briggs plants to walk out over additional demands, which they joined in solidarity. Workers demanded the recognition of shop committees and pushed back against starvation wages. They also protested the hated dead time policy, which required workers to stay on the job, unpaid, waiting for material or production lines. They wanted an end to pay deductions for tools and a worthless health insurance policy that left some with bi-weekly pay as low as 49 cents. Briggs quickly conceded to a wage increase and the end of dead time, but they would not budge on recognizing the union. As the strike dragged on, strike breakers under police escort increased, as did the red baiting of union organizers. Workers gained nothing more and ended their walkout in early May. According to historian Joyce Shaw-Peterson, the walkout had been the most significant auto strike up until that point. Worker militancy and public support were impressive. As one worker recalled, after the Ford Hunger March the year before, workers took to the picket lines, facing down fears of physical injury or even death to fight for a better life. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show.